Thank you, Jordan. Good morning, everyone. Uh, so great to be worshiping together. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Um, the very fact that we're doing this, though, uh, says that uh, things are different. The pandemic has changed everything. This is a global crisis that is unparalleled, probably even by world wars. It truly is global in scope, reaching literally everywhere. And while it affects each person differently, uh, depending on their circumstances, it has an effect on nearly everyone. And some of those effects are being noted by the psychiatric community as affecting people's mental health. What the Pharmacy Times notes, uh, an issue that has been overlooked is the mental health decline that has accompanied the pandemic. The feelings of worry and stress are normal human responses when people are in a state of danger or threat. And this whole pandemic has caused, caused widespread despair and feelings of vulnerability. Anxiety has spread because of a wide array of concerns, including uncertainty about when normalcy will return. Let me just tell you, uh, normalcy, when it returns, will not be the normalcy that we had. Um, the sense of isolation is um, so extensive and is affecting people's mental health. And uh, so, not to mention, by the way, being continuously bombarded with COVID-19 news. And uh, some of it is misinformation, some rumors, and so people feel out of control, disoriented, um, anxiety, fear, stress, depression, and emotional exhaustion are all examples. So five big effects of the pandemic on mental health and on us are isolation, anger, a lack of self-control, despair, and anxiety. Perhaps you have felt a little of those, or a lot of them. Probably uh, all of us have felt uh, some level of one of those or all of them. As we search the scriptures, we find that God has already described these realities that we face. They are broadly categorized by the psychiatric community as mood disorders and behavioral disorders. Uh, we can recognize them also broadly described in scripture as follows. Mood disorders can be broadly categorized as despair and fear. Uh, behavioral disorders can be broadly categorized uh, throughout Scripture as anger or control uh, or pleasure-seeking and comfort. Often, uh, for instance, in the Proverbs, described as foolishness, um, behaviors and attitudes uh, that encompass a wide var variety of, of responses to people's situations. And so these are the broad categories that we tend to struggle with. Uh, intensified by isolation and loneliness. These are troublesome effects, whether large or small, whether simply annoying or crushing. More importantly, God does not want us to be overcome by them. Paul says in Romans, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And today we want to look at Psalm 4. It gives us a template of exactly how to do just that. This psalm of David is about finding peace in distracting situations. It is often called the evening psalm because it ends with a good night's sleep. And that is appropriate since night often brings the temptation to let our thoughts run wild. It, uh, make a time when we brood on past wrongs and present perils leading to sleepless nights. One of the real issues many people are facing in these troublesome times is sleeplessness, which also contributes to declining mental health. And so God has answers for that. 
We're going to read Psalm 4, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive right into five uh, pandemic uh, pitfalls that we want to avoid. Psalm 4, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, as we face these unprecedented times, we pray that uh, we would find some answers for the things that we struggle with. And Father, all of us struggle. All of us are uh, under pressure. There are uh, changes that have been uh, brought about in our lives. It's affected every single one of us, and some uh, to a great extent. And Father, some of us struggle with some of the things that we're going to talk about. And Father, we do believe that you have answers, that your word has given to us things that we can hang on to uh, during these days. And so I pray that you would encourage our hearts, uh, strengthen us with grace, Father, Uh, You have uh, heard us uh, when we have called. You have given us relief when we have been in distress. You've done it before, and we believe that you will do it again. And so we come to you and ask uh, for your help. And we pray this in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Harvest, I'm in for a good night's sleep. That's what we want to talk about. How do I get a good night's sleep? I'm in for a good night's sleep when I trade loneliness for community. In the Brazilian Journal of Psychiatry, they summarize the effects of quarantining. Uh, The consequences of quarantine on psychological well-being should be uh, noted. With the pandemic, many activities have stopped, especially those involving human relationships, forcing adaptations that many people were not prepared for. Research has reported that wide-ranging, negative, and possibly long-lasting psychological outcomes, things like anger, confusion, and post-traumatic stress symptoms, may be associated with extended quarantine. And so uh, this being uh, isolated from one another is is a, a, a real problem. Isolation can indeed be called more than just physical distancing. It has caused social distance. And this isolation tends to intensify other mental health conditions and make us more susceptible to spiritual defeat in these other areas. Community, though, is more than just physical presence. Um, We need to recognize that we are joined together in other ways other than just being together. We want you to keep practicing physical distancing, but we want you to stop social distancing because we need each other. We believe that right now we are joined by faith to the Lord and to each other. Even though we're apart, 
Even though you're in your living room and I'm here, we're joined together because of the Lord. We are the body of Christ. And we're part of a church that includes people departed and people present all over the world. We share Christ and we share the Holy Spirit and we are one body. And David recognizes this in Psalm 4. Verse 1 recognizes his ongoing relationship with God. He says, answer me when I call. And this is just like when our children want our attention and they, 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 we bend down to pay attention to them and they take our face in their hands and they say, no, no, daddy, mommy, listen. And they want our attention. This is exactly what David is doing. He's saying, God, hear me. And we have this relationship with God and it's a present, active, real presence in our lives. And so uh, he says, uh, God has a history of acting and answering. You have given me relief when I was in distress. You have heard me. David literally says, this literally says, you have made room for me. Isn't that appropriate in this time when we need to make room for each other? But God has made room for us. And uh, that has much more than just he's distanced himself from us. He's actually created a space for us, for us to be uh, together. In verse 6, David moves from an individual focus to a community one as he prays, lift up the light of your face upon us, O God. And so we need to recognize that there's an us to this. When we cry out to God, it's as part of a body of believers. And so we are together. And so um, verse 3 is so encouraging to each one of us for these days. The Lord knows, uh, the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. The Lord is present to us. We are not alone. Although we may be uh, physically isolated from each other, we are not alone. Um, Perhaps I should have said uh, that we trade loneliness for communion because we have union and communion with God through Christ. I want to note this union comes by faith. Um, What does that mean? It, It comes as part of salvation. You have to actually have a relationship with God through Christ in order to have this, uh, the assurance of this presence of his being close, of his hearing you and welcome you, welcoming you into his space. And, uh, salvation comes when I acknowledge that I have sinned and my sin has separated me from God. It's when I believe that Jesus is the God man who died in my place and paid the debt of my sin, offering me forgiveness and offering me his righteousness and finally when i confess him as savior and lord by calling on him to save me um his promise is that he will forgive our sins and give us life and in that moment we are joined to him by faith we have union in his death and in his burial and in his resurrection and we are joined to him and we are joined to all of those who know him by faith This is why David could call him God of my righteousness. He's the God of our righteousness and we wear his righteousness together. And so the important question for us to answer is, am I joined to Jesus Christ by faith? Uh, Have I been saved? And therefore, I actually do belong to the body and we are joined together even when we are physically apart. So this union is mystical, but it's, not only mystical, it has a present reality. And I think this is where it becomes really important for us because while we do have physical distancing, we don't need to have social distancing. Uh, So notice this, 
um, testimony from uh, Covenant Eyes about an online group that they were running. Uh, community happened online because we connected at a real heart level, not just because we sat in the same room. As a matter of fact, they did not sit in the same room, and yet they connected at a deep heart level. This connection is real. Now, it involves conversation and possibly silence, but it involves communing together. And we can do that over the phone. We can do that over Zoom. Um, we can do that um, in, in the same space, although physically separated. This is what we need. We need contact with each other. And so we could say it this way. We connected virtu- virtually. Um, or we could say what we really mean is that we connected for real virtually. People all over the world are recognizing the importance of community, of sharing the struggles together and caring for each other and reaching out and connecting. This is something we need and it is worth the effort it takes. I know it's wonderful to hear their voice. It's great to be able to see their face over Zoom. And it is not the same as being able to touch and hug your grandchildren or your uh, siblings or your good friends. But this is something we need and it is worth the effort it takes. That effort is not equal, by the way, for all of us. It would be great if others would just reach out to us, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that just be great if people just like called us and were so concerned for us? Um, The reality is that individually, uh, we have to do the reaching out. We have to reach out to other people. And that's hard for some. So maybe this would help. If we stop focusing on my need for community and start focusing on someone else's need for connection, perhaps that will help when I take the focus off of me and put it on them. It's easier for me to reach out to them. So as we take a look at some of the other pitfalls now that this pandemic has brought, know this, community lessens the impact of all these other ones while isolation increases it. And so uh, I'll get... uh, I'll get a good night's sleep when I trade isolation for community. Secondly, I'm in for a good night's sleep when I trade boredom for righteousness. Why do I say boredom? Uh, Lack of self-control, being at loose ends. um, There's a great old word, uh, ennui. Nobody knows what that means. E-N-N-U-I, ennui. It it just kind of means boredom, a lack of energy. And so let's talk about that because that's something that probably all of us are experiencing. Verse 2 asks, O men, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Now David in this psalm is actually talking about other people bad-mouthing him and saying hurtful things about him. But I want us to pay attention to that concept of turning glory or honor into shame. It's a powerful metaphor for what happens when we give in to fleshly desires and sinful actions and thoughts. Instead of someone else turning our glory or our honor into shame by speaking badly about us, we do it quite handily ourselves. Loving empty promises and lies describes what addictions are all about. There's a term at the end of this verse rendered uh, selah. Um, Picture it this way. Picture a clap of thunder, or because it's a musical notation, picture the the smash of the cymbals followed by silence. As the word 
urges us to think about and meditate on what we just heard. So stop. Think about what you're giving yourself to. How long are you going to allow your glory and honorable things to be turned into shame? How long are you going to love empty promises and lies? This is also from Covenant Eyes. It speaks about what we tend to drift into when we're uh, bored. Netflix, uh, from all the memes about people gaining weight to the skyrocketing popularity of Netflix, it seems more evident than ever that we don't make great choices when we isolate. The same can be said of pornography. According to the largest porn site on the planet, at the height of the pandemic shutdown on March the 24th, the United States saw a 41.5% increase in porn use. Considering that millions of Americans already view porn on a regular basis, a 41% increase is saying something deeply concerning. So binge eating, binge watching, general laziness can be problems when we're bored. What, what are you giving yourself to? What are you allowing uh, that is glorious and honorable to be turned into something shameful, uh, something that is a lie? Now, not everyone has this problem. Uh, a Jewish online magazine called Forward have a Dear Abby's column, and one lady wrote, My husband is spending his free time right now learning to play the piano and relearning the Spanish he studied in high school. I've tried to follow his lead and work on some of my hobbies, but I just want to do a puzzle and watch Golden Girls reruns. How do I support him while not feeling like a lazy good-for-nothing? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to say about that. I have a puzzle on the go. I'm not watching Golden Girls reruns, but um, I, I kind of wonder whether even she is busier than some of us. Um, on the other hand, uh, we still need to recognize these days are different and give ourselves a bit of a break. Uh, Yahoo News reports the following. Uh, Dr. Jen Hartstein says, who's a psychologist and mental health contributor for Yahoo Life, says there are a couple of reasons we are so exhausted. First, we are on emotional overload. Many of us are feeling anxious, which activates our sympathetic nervous system. That system is responsible for our fight or flight or freeze response and for triggering, triggering our adrenaline. The stress we are all under leads to adrenal fatigue, which causes our bodies to need a break and we automatically shut down. Second, we are not interacting with the world in the same way. Often the things with which we interact are things that stimulate us and get us excited. That's just another way of saying, I do the things I like to do. And uh, when we can't do the things that we like to do, um, we lose that excitement and that causes us to feel tired. Third, we aren't outside as much, which leads to a deficiency of vitamin D and this can cause us to be more tired too. So get outside in the sunshine. So while we want to recognize legitimate tiredness, because there is that, so some of the boredom that we may feel is legitimate tiredness and we need to cut ourselves some slack and rest or go outside and get some vitamin D or find something that will uh, give us a level of excitement that we enjoy. We need to find some of those things sometimes. Um, on the other hand, we need to recognize there is a strong temptation to gratify fleshly desires and find comfort in things that are not good. What are some of those things? Unhealthy coping strategies. Uh, some of them have been cut off, like shopping. Oh, no. 
You can go shopping online. And so maybe that's something. Uh, we mentioned pornography, alcohol and drugs. Uh, their use is more prevalent now. Um, shopping online, gambling online. All of these are areas where we can uh, choose unhealthy coping strategies to bring comfort to ourselves, to satisfy uh, fleshly desires. This is a, a great pitfall because of this pandemic when we're shut down and isolated and, and at loose ends. And what do we turn to? Stop turning honor into shame and buying into empty promises and lies. Selah, stop. Think about it. How long are you going to give your glory and honor into shame and buy into lies? Repentance and faith is the answer because God's will is your sanctification. In 1 Thessalonians 4.4, 4, Paul tells us this and defines it as that each of you should know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Let us seek to regain the honor that God has bestowed upon us by doing things that are righteous and avoid this pitfall of, of, of uh, falling into um, things that are, are empty that promise so much and deliver so little. They are lies. So the corrective for that is a community again intensifies our ability to do good when we're held accountable and when we are, are in relationship. And so that's so important. Uh, there's an important uh, a verse in Proverbs 18.1. This is where isolation actually becomes a tool that we can use. Uh, Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And so if you're using isolation actually to uh, allow yourself to continue to turn your glory into shame, you need to stop that. Community is what helps prevent that. And so uh, Covenant Eyes is a great community to belong to. Uh, some of the accountability offered there, we would just encourage you uh, to do that. And so I'm in for a good night's sleep when I, uh, when I trade isolation for community I'm in for a good night's sleep when I trade boredom uh, for righteousness. And uh, thirdly, I'm in for a good night's sleep when I trade anger for humility. Okay, we're about to hear another crash of the symbols. Verse, uh, verse 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Selah. Stop. Think about this. Be angry and do not sin. Is that even possible? We really need to think this through. Anger is an intense emotion. Not always explosive, but intense or deep-seated. Many of us don't even recognize that we are actually angry. I've been asked that question. Why are you so angry? I'm not angry. I'm not yelling. Oh, oh maybe I was. Um, we often use it as an excuse, we often excuse it rather as irritation or frustration, which are often just milder shades of anger. Often anger is an attempt to control or a reaction to a lack of control. It is a real problem. It's a problem in our society as a whole and it's a problem in our home. During this lockdown, domestic violence is up. People are not safe in their own home. Why? Because of anger. Jesus likened anger in the heart to murder. And so when, when, when I'm angry, when I admit I am angry, and I ask, what am I angry about? 
I, a good way of asking that is, what do I want so badly in this moment I'm willing to kill for it? Or hit for it? Or yell for it? Or swear and threaten for it? No, it it's not all of those things. Anger can be so much uh, more subtle than that. But I need to recognize when I'm angry and I need to ask, what do I want so much right now? Now, sometimes what I want is something that, that I should. A God gets angry at injustice, and so perhaps I should. That is another characteristic of anger. It's a masking emotion. We express anger as a substitute for a deeper emotion. It might actually be covering uh, up fear or inadequacy or being demeaned or being unheard. A lot of anger being expressed right now is the anger of the unheard. We do see this in our homes too. In um, John Gottman's writings, he says, when we analyzed the data, we were struck by the significant gender difference um, in couples that are arguing about something. Although the wives would sometimes express anger or other negative emotions towards their husbands, they rarely responded to their husbands by increasing the negativity. Okay, like we all do this. We all have issues. We all get into it. We, we all uh, get uh, emotionally flooded. We say things. I'm um, not good. Uh, but um, wives rarely responded to their husbands by increasing the negativity. Most of them either tried to tone it down or matched it. So if a husband said, you're not listening to me, the wife would usually say, uh, I'm sorry, I'm listening now which is a repair attempt that tones down the negativity. Or, or they might say, I'm finding it really hard to listen to you, which matches the husband's anger. You're not listening to me. Uh, it matches it, but it doesn't escalate it. But 65% of men did not take either of these approaches. Instead, their response escalated the negativity. They did this in very specific ways by uh, using one of four, uh, what he calls the four horsemen, criticism, Contempt, defensiveness, or storm, stonewalling. Or that's the, the great silence. Uh, using one of the four horsemen to escalate a conflict is a telltale sign that a man is resisting his wife's influence. Um, read, not hearing. Now that's a prime example of what actually happens in our home. And listen, we have often censored a wife's anger without addressing the greater injustice of them not being heard or honored in their own home. Our society has done the same thing. We have not heard minorities, and in Canada, especially our Aboriginal populations. And we are now hearing anger, the anger of the unheard. These are huge issues, personally and in society. And we need to stop and think about it. Be angry and do not sin. How does this happen? Um, it often happens in our, our beds at night. We brood and we scheme and we go over and over the offenses in our hearts and in our minds. How are we ever to find peace and fall asleep? The answers take us to the bedrock of our souls. What are we desiring? What are we seeking? Our own things? or the things of God and the things of others. What am I so angry about? I just have to confess that so often when I reach down and sort through things and get to the bedrock, what I'm angry about is I'm not getting my own way. 
I'm, my, my desires are selfish desires. But sometimes I'm angry and I sort to, down through that and I find that I'm actually angry about something I should be angry about. I'm angry about something that I think God would be angry about. I'm angry about injustice and things that are not right. But when I find that, what am I to do? How am I to handle that? Our emotions flow out of the desires and the thoughts and the choices of our hearts. Every action we take is a reflection of our heart and is motivated and given power by our emotions. Most of our decisions, to a great degree, are emotional decisions. That's not bad. It's not that it's uninformed by our, our thoughts, but, but our decisions are out of the totality of our being, out of our hearts. Anger, when rightly placed, doesn't just run over people, but neither does it turn away but it becomes a motivating force for action in the right direction. And so how can anger motivate us in the right direction? The answer is in verse 5. Offer right sacrifices or righteous sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. You know, the answer is going to involve sacrifice. When someone has a grievance and they're angry, um, when we respond to that, it's going to uh, need to take some sacrificial, some sacrifices in the right direction. Anger must be given up in humility. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. When it comes to dealing with my own anger, I must submit it to the Lord. Give it up in humility. When it comes to others' anger, um, I must approach it with humility. Stop. Think about these things. Selah. Well, that was an intense one. Uh, We got two more. I'm in for a good night's sleep when I trade despair for hope. Our next consideration comes from verse 6, where uh, David writes, There are many who say, who will show us some good? This, this is a statement of despair. There are lots of variations on it. Um, one is, this will never work. Um, I can't get ahead. I can never catch a break. Or the most infamous one heard everywhere, it's not fair. Okay, how many of you said that with me? Okay, hit the hearts. Like, let's see it all. Yeah, we, that's one we hear all the time. Um, so the question is, where can we find help? For all the government money being spent, there are uh, some who are doing fine, but others who are falling through the cracks. And, and many in these days of isolation are falling into despair. CTV News, Avis Favero on June the 3rd uh, said there's, uh, a, they're expecting a potential spike in suicides. Some already have taken their lives uh, in despair. They've given up. They have no hope. The answer to despair is hope. Where do we find hope? Um, Again, all of us need to ask, what am I looking for? What do I really want? David's answer here puts two key emphases to the forefront. He says, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy into my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. Two key emphases. His hope is in the Lord. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. 
He's looking for more than just the tangible things. Those things are not unimportant. It's just that they're not the most important. You have put more joy into my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. When I have everything that I need, um, it's not enough. I need joy that comes from the Lord. And so once again, we're taken to the foundations of our souls. Where is our hope? Our hope is in the Lord. Um, my, my hope is in the Lord. He gives me worth. He gives me purpose. He gives me a future. Uh, he has laid out good works for me to uh, walk in. He, I am his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. And uh, uh, he, he, he is my hope. And people need hope when they have no reason uh, to get up, when they're just looking for, for satisfaction in the things of this world, and those things are taken away, where are they going to find hope? We live in a despairing world. If you listen to the world's music, it's full of despair. The only uh, things worth living for is to get all the toys and get all the stuff, and then when you have it all, that's not enough. None of these are adequate. Our hope is in the Lord who made heaven and earth. Look again at David's uh, beginning affirmation. Answer me when I call, O Lord of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. You were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. It's so easy to give up, to say, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how these bills are going to get paid. I don't know where we're going to be. Um, I was just starting out and I, my career is a gone already. Where, where am I going to find uh, the ability to live my life? If your hope is in those things, then I can understand your despair. Listen, put your hope in the Lord. Finally, I'm uh, in for a good night's sleep when I trade fear for faith. Fear is something that keeps us up at night, isn't it? Worries about tomorrow, worries about our health, anxiety about our finances, anxiety about our loved ones, anxiety about our jobs, anxiety about the mortgage, uh, anxiety about what we're eating, um, whether a lot or where we're going to get the next one from, anxiety about what we're going to wear. All of these things have their place, but at the root of all anxiety is our personhood. Am I safe? And uh, because our identity is in Christ, uh, we are safe. I can uh, give up fear by trusting the Lord. The only antidote to fear of uh, the security of our being is to find our identity in Christ. Colossians 3.3 3 says, You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What is that talking about? That's talking about what we talked about uh, in the beginning with salvation. By faith, we're united to Jesus Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We're united to him. We died with him, and now our life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen, we're safe. Now, that doesn't actually deal with some of the natural fears that we have. Uh, there is a natural fear with physical ramifications. Our flight fight or freeze responses kick in. We talked about that at the very beginning. These are natural things. Thank God that he created us with these things and these abilities. But uh, sometimes they take over and they become detrimental. And that is happening all around us. Because of this pandemic and the pressures, uh, people uh, are, are being overwhelmed by, by these natural responses. And when those responses kick in are triggered by experiences from our past 
or by the thoughts of our hearts. Um, it becomes so important to get our minds fixed upon God. Now, it's true, we may need to learn to calm our physical responses. There's ways of doing that, breathing techniques. And we may need, uh, we may need to get help learning to control our thought processes, to dispute some of the uh, underlying beliefs that we have about ourselves and the way the world works and who God is even and, and others. And, and we need to uh, find maybe some techniques for reining in the physical responses of our, our bodies and uh, to, to learn how to um, appreciate them and yet not give them too much uh, credence and and not let them overwhelm us and so we may need help in all of that but all of that in the context of renewing our the thoughts of our heart with the truth of God's word and the the most basic truth that we need to understand is that uh, he is trustworthy he has given me relief when I was in distress he has uh, been faithful then he'll be faithful now Uh, here's a good way to remind ourselves of this um, we're talking about uh, getting a good night's sleep. And so this is something that we do uh, as we're laying down to sleep. We say a prayer. And uh, you could do this. Just as you, uh, the last thing you do when you lay down uh, and go to sleep, uh, if, if you're with someone, uh, your, your spouse, take their hand and let's just pray this together, honey. Uh, let's, uh, let's do the last thing that we do. Just pray. Don't pray for all the missionaries all around the world and everything. Just pray this. Lord, Thank you for your great blessings to us today, for breath and strength and many other blessings. You could list a few of them here because thankfulness, by the way, is a key attitude that replaces bad brain chemicals with good ones. And that's just naturally right because God's word says to be thankful all the time. Okay, back to prayer. Uh, Thank you, God, for all these blessings. As we lay down and go to sleep, we abandon ourselves to your care because we are going to be oblivious we trust you lord you alone are in control give us a good and full night's sleep so we may be refreshed in spirit and body to serve you well tomorrow amen all right if you're still awake and with me here uh, let's think about this this pandemic is underscoring what has always been true Uh, joe saxton in a christian post interview with Brandon Showalter notes, discipleship isn't just purely about teaching, although that's an integral part of it. But when we look at how Jesus made disciples, he gathered a few and gave them access to his life so they could see how he was doing this life and then gave them the opportunity to put it into practice. How are you practicing a faith and righteousness and um, a trust in the Lord during these days? Um, then she says, People have to take these truths and habituate it into their body at a cellular level. I just love the the way of saying that. We have to actually live this out. So here's a a key question to ask. Um, As we face this pandemic, as we face a new normal, here's the question. How are people being transformed during this? And quite honestly, while this pandemic has opportunity for, for many pitfalls, it's got opportunity for transformation also. And how are people going to be transformed? The same way they always have been. When they engage with God's word in the power of the Holy Spirit, God changes who they are. We see this in scripture. Zacchaeus uh, stood up. You remember uh, this little man who met the Lord Jesus. And then he says this. 
uh, after talking with the Lord and having a, a, an, an experience with him and seeing who Jesus was and how he lived his life, he said, Lord, behold, uh, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Discipleship is more than information. I love this. It is taking truth and applying it at the cellular level. As we face these pitfalls of fleshly desires, anger, despair, anxiety, all made worse and intensified by isolation, let's fight them off by being in community, by seeking righteousness with self-control, by seeking humility, by seeking hope, by seeking faith. So how are we applying truth to life in ways that exemplify to those in our reach and deep fluence that Christ lives in me? Selah, stop. Think about this. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. You were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. 